Welcome to the Manifesting Mum podcast. My name is Gemma Bernard and I am the Manifesting Mum. Did you know there are 12 universal laws of manifestation? Nope, neither did I until recently. Now I'm on a 120-day manifesting mission to uncover, learn and share everything I can about how to create the life of my dreams and I want to empower you to do the same. Are you ready? Let's have some fun. This episode of the Manifesting Mum podcast is proudly brought to you by the Manifesting Mum free Facebook group, a community of like-minded, beautiful and inspiring mums who all want to create their dream life with courage and confidence. You can join that community by visiting thevillageformums.com.au forward slash the Manifesting Mum. I'd love to connect with you inside that community. Now let's dive into this episode. Hello beautiful mama, welcome, welcome, welcome to the very first episode of the Manifesting Mum podcast. My name is Gemma Bernad and I am the Manifesting Mum and I am so excited to have you here and listening to this. So thank you. Wow, this has been a wild journey in the last 72 hours and I can tell you when I started this week, I did not expect myself to be sitting in my walk-in wardrobe recording my very first podcast. It has truly been unbelievable and I am so excited, which hopefully you can hear in my voice, I'm so excited to be doing this and uh, what an opportunity and you know, so much fun to be had, I think. Let's like really, you know, focus on making this such a fun experience. So if you are new to my community, which most of you are if you're listening now, then uh, you'll know that this has only really just kicked off in the last 72 hours when I really had this thought that just popped into my head to start a Facebook group called The Manifesting Mum. And within... 48 hours, there was almost 250 beautiful uh, women and mostly mums in the community who were ready to express their desire to have more for their life and to find out whether the law of attraction and the other 11 universal laws of manifestation could be applied to their life as well. So, This is crazy and I am just really super excited to have the opportunity to be able to share my own experience with you and to share the lessons that I learn and what I uncover and just everything in a really raw and real way and that's really what this podcast is all about and I can tell you it took me a while to hit record on this very first episode. I found every opportunity to procrastinate, to, you know, take my attention to something else. I looked at the washing and thought maybe I should hang that out first and I started doing some other things and, you know, the old let's check Facebook and Instagram and there must be something else in the world going on that needs my attention right now. But there was something inside of me that just said, Gemma, take inspired and imperfect action and that's exactly what this podcast is all about. It is about me taking that step forward in probably the most imperfect way and as someone who has perfectionist tendencies, this is confronting. I have to tell you, it is confronting to take action, particularly when you know the end result is not going to be perfect. 
And so I am very vulnerable in getting on and doing this. And then obviously putting it out to the world is, you know, really something that is making me open up and grow and evolve. So I'm really looking at this as a lesson and an opportunity instead of something that can cause me anxiety and fear. So just a little lesson for you there to start off. But let me just update you and let you know how this all came about and how I find myself here and you know, what's going to happen over the next, you know, sort of 117 days or so, which takes us right up until Christmas Day, 25th of December, 2018. Wow, it's going to come around fast. But um, yeah, let me just fill you in a little bit. So I, like you, am a mum. I have five beautiful children ranging in age from 13 years old down to two-year-old twin boys. And those kids and my husband are my life. It is a busy life um, and I wouldn't trade a thing really or change a thing I should say about it. But it is busy nonetheless. But there's something that, you know, is burbling inside of me and it has been for a while. And that is that I truly do want more for my life. And I know that that can be really hard to admit because it makes us feel like we're ungrateful for what we've got. And I know I have battled that. I have really battled the ambition that is inside of me to create something big for my life because it makes me feel like I'm not grateful for what I have in front of me. And you know what? Let me be totally honest with you. There are parts of my life I am not grateful for. You know, there are parts of my life I would like to change. And, um, you know, my, my drive and my motivation to create something bigger is really born a little bit from that space. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be honest with you there. But, you know, there are so many things that I am grateful for. And the one thing I am really working consciously on right now is shifting my mindset, you know, to start to feel the gratitude even for the smallest of things. And, you know, it's been a real journey for me. I've come from living a life where I felt like I was being punished for everything I did. And I'll share a little bit about that with you as this episode goes on. But I really have come from that mindset where I felt like the universe was completely against me all the time. And I grew up believing that. I grew up believing that I was being punished. Whenever something bad happened, I felt like I was being punished. And I used to, you know, get down on my knees sometimes and yell at God, why are you punishing me? You know, really. And that is, you know, you know, it's been a massive shift for me to move from that space of feeling like the world was against me, that everyone is against me, to starting to see that the truth is, is that the universe always has my back. It always wants me to reach my infinite potential. It wants what is best for me. And it is me that is actually in turn, you know, limiting that. And so, you know, it's been a big journey to even get to this point right now, but I know it's a continuing journey and it will be for the rest of my life. And that's not to say that I'll continue to battle that. It's just that, you know, with each step you take, your eyes become opened to a bigger possibility, you know, to feeling even more gratitude than what you're feeling right now. And that is so exciting to me. Like that really just ignites something in me. So, you know, anyway, I find myself here on this 120-day manifesting mission because I do have this ambition to create some amazing things in my life so that I can, you know, provide my children with 
so much more than just the physical stuff. You know, I can also, you know, ignite that passion inside of my children to believe that the world truly is their oyster. I mean, how often were you told that when you were a child, but as you grew older, life experiences happened and you were told that that just wasn't the case. You know, you were told that the world isn't your oyster. You can't have everything you want. You can't be that if you want to be that. And so we start to believe, and I know I did, I started to believe that, I actually couldn't have whatever I want. I couldn't be whoever I wanted to be. I couldn't have whatever I wanted to have. I couldn't do whatever I wanted to do. That, you know, maybe I had to conform in some way or I just had to keep small or, you know, I just had to keep myself, you know, confined to what was reality and what was possible, you know. And so I really want to bless my children with the gift of totally believing in themselves and completely believing that they can absolutely be, do and have whatever they want. You know, it it actually makes me almost tear up as I think about that because, you know, I know that that wasn't a gift that was given to me and that's not like blaming anyone for it. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was told and I really, really want to reshape that and you know share that experience so my children completely believe in themselves and really understand that they can have whatever they want and they could be whoever they want that it's completely up to them and also up to the universe which is where the laws of manifestation come into place so yeah this 120 days is going to be pretty epic I have to say I am like totally committed to putting into play the 12 universal laws of manifestation and i Like if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking, say what? 12 laws? I only knew about the law of attraction. And you know what? That's where most of us have probably fallen down in the past a little bit. You know, maybe you've dabbled a little bit in this before. You might have had a little bit of success, but you know, you've struggled with a lot of areas where you really want to create something big. And I really wholeheartedly believe that that is because there is not enough information out there about the full story when it comes to manifestation. You know, we believe and we've been told in some forums that, you know, you can just visualize what you want and you'll get it. And look, if that was the case, like how easy would it be? We would all be doing that. But there is so much more and I'm going to share over the coming episodes more information about the other 11 universal laws of manifestation and also just some really easy, simple steps that you can take to start creating what you want. You know, we're going to dive into lots of different topics because there's just so much to share and so much for me to learn in this experience. And I just want to use this podcast as, you know, a medium to share everything that I learn. Um, so anyway, let me, let me take you back to kind of where it all began for me and I'll share as much as I can and be as honest as I can about my life story, just so I hope it gives you a little bit of an insight into where I come from and how I found myself in this situation right now. And so look, up until the age of 10, I had a pretty normal um, childhood. So I'm one of four children. I have three older brothers and my parents, you know, we were a pretty sort of normal family. Okay. My dad worked really hard. He was a a solicitor and my mum was pretty much a stay-at-home mum after she had the kids, but she was a registered nurse. So she did have a qualification. She just obviously with four children becomes really hard to work as I'm sure most of you know. And in those that day and age, you know, you kind of worked, you just went to work and that's what you did. But mum, you know, pretty much raised us. But when I was very young, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
and I was very young at the time. You know, I'm gosh, I think it was 1983. My brother is so much better at remembering the exact details, but I was very young. And she had a mastectomy at the time. And I don't actually recall because I was so young her having any treatment. She may or may not, I think she might have had some radiation on the source. And that was really about it. And I guess she went into remission at that point. But, you know, I, I do remember there being some fear at that time because our, we went on a big family overseas holiday to New Caledonia to Club Med and I really kind of associate those two times you know mum being not 100% and us going on this holiday kind of like wow we really need to start living life but look mum went into remission and um, it wasn't really until I think I was about the age of eight that the cancer came back and I don't know a lot of the medical details because as you can imagine, at the age of eight, I mean, if you've got kids that are that age, I mean, my, I've got kids that are sort of 13, 11, four and two, but you know, you don't really, or my parents certainly didn't share much of the medical information, particularly with me. I was the youngest of four. I think my elder brothers knew a little bit, but I didn't know very much, but you know, it was, it came back and it was quite aggressive. And I, all I know is that it spread um, I don't know specifically where it spread to, but I know that it spread and it really became a terminal situation. And my mum fought hard. Yeah, she fought incredibly hard. I mean, she went through every type of treatment and she also went to her spiritual side. And I have very vivid memories of my mum being in the front formal living room of our house and, and meditating you know, and she would listen to a lot of um, guided meditations and she would try and find, I guess, some inner peace really because you know not only I think was she faced with her own mortality but you know she was in a lot of physical pain as well you know going through the treatment she was going through. Unfortunately my mum did lose her battle with cancer. Um, She actually passed away two days after her 43rd birthday and I was 10 years old at the time and you know you can imagine that was a life-changing moment. And I'm trying desperately to contain my emotion. But the truth is, and if I'm going to share the honesty of my situation, is that, you know, 27 years later, this is still incredibly painful for me. And it's very easy for me to take myself back to that time and to just feel all of the pain that was associated with that exact moment of hearing the news that mum had actually passed away. And it was really at that point, I think, that my life just took this turn. You know, I went from being this innocent 10-year-old girl to now being, you know, a little girl without her mum. And I have two beautiful girls and I think about them often. You know, if something was to happen to me, you know, the impact that would have on their life. And I guess coming from a place of knowing how much it, you know, impacted my life, it's very hard to think about that. But, you know, it was, I honestly completely connect, you know, my, my limiting beliefs of thinking that I was being punished with that time that my mum died because, uh, you know, I felt like she had left me, that she had abandoned me. And, um, you know, that's a really painful way to look at it but that's actually really how I felt I really felt like my mum had abandoned me and um, you know she obviously did not willingly die and I am confident that it was extraordinarily difficult for her to face the fact that she was going to be leaving the love of her life and her four children behind 
But, you know, that really kind of just started, I guess, probably a downhill spiral for me from that point on because I really did feel like I was being punished. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, a very a split moment decision that upon reflection, you know, with a 37-year-old mind on it is really, you know, understandable. But I was given the choice two days before my mum passed away when I was in the hospital you know, basically being told to say goodbye to her, you know, did I want to go home with my dad and stay with my dad or did I want to go away with some family friends for a couple of days? And I made the decision to go away with some family friends and it was while I was away that she passed away and I just held so much sadness and blame and I felt like I had made a bad decision and um, that I, you know, mum died and I was being punished for it. And that was, you know, a direct correlation that I made from that point on. And I can tell you, and I want to share that with you because that is a limiting belief that stayed with me for two decades, 20 years. I lived with the guilt of making that decision and I lived with the belief that as a result of making that decision that I did not deserve good things to happen to me. You know, I didn't deserve, you know, to be loved. I didn't deserve to have a life that, you know, was amazing. I just didn't, I felt like I just didn't deserve anything good. And that's really where it stemmed. And I, I want to be honest with you about that and share all of that truth with you because it just goes to show really how much we can hold on to something that starts at such a young age and in the process that I'm going through now I have had to and I've been like this is not just news to me I I have been acutely aware of the you know the guilt that I have felt about that decision for a long time I'm talking like 10-15 years but me releasing it has only really been something that I've been able to really work on in the last few years in a really active way Um, But, you know, we can hold on to these things for so long and they really do shape our reality and it shaped my reality. It really, really did shape my reality. And I I really believe at the point that my mum died that, you know, my dreams died with her. So I really just don't ever remember after that point ever really, you know, having dreams to, you know, just to have an amazing life. You know, I had ambition, so I had ambition and drive, and I think that stemmed from wanting to prove to the world and to myself that I deserved good things to happen, but I felt like I had to work really hard for it. You know, I felt like I had to work really, really hard for it, but that really was the most pivotal moment in my life, and look, there's been a lot that happened following that. You know, I went into, you know, depression, uh, I had eating disorders, I drank in excess excessive amounts of alcohol in my late in my early teens to be honest with you late teens and 20s to the point that I I really believe that my mum was watching over me to protect me but I was you know I was in pain I was in a lot of pain for a very long period of time and I've carried that with me for a very very long time but you know as I was saying I mean I think that's really when my dreams died but even though they did there was always 
I felt like the universe was always trying to show me something different because even at the age of sort of 14, 15, I remember being at home and turning on the TV on a Sunday and seeing Tony Robbins host retreats, I think in Fiji he was doing them at the time and they would televise, they would put a program together and televise that and I remember being introduced to the concepts of the power of our mind and our belief system to shape our reality but at that age I certainly was not ready to completely comprehend what that all meant and but I just was so drawn, I mean as a 14 year old you know, to think of all the things that you would be watching on TV on a weekend, I just could not wait for this show to just pop up. I never knew when it was coming on, but I just was always so happy and I would just sit on the lounge and just watch it and just lose myself in the experience of watching Tony Robbins work with the people he he was working with and I just was so drawn to it. I had no idea that that would be the path that I would end up going down myself, Um, but it just, there was something in it and I have over the years had quite a few spiritual teachers but hands down really the most pivotal moment and book and teacher I've ever had has been Louise Hay and her book You Can Heal Your Life which was actually gifted to me by uh, by someone in my 20s really was the beginning of me not only to start to learn more about the power of our mind but also to start to Um, really understand it and start to implement different areas of it you know this belief that you know I was not bad and that I am beautiful and I do deserve to be loved and I am loved and you know these this concept of just telling yourself these things was so foreign to me it was so foreign to me really and it took a lot of work for me to convince myself that this was something that was readily available to me, that I could just, you know, start to feel different by thinking differently. It just was a really foreign concept to me. And it was actually really hard for me to wrap my head around. But, you know, after well over, you know, 10, 15 years practice with starting to strengthen my belief in that and also starting to understand more about the mechanics of the mind and how it works, you know, I with 100% certainty completely believe in the power of our mind to shape our reality and uh, I'm so grateful that that book came into my life and I've shared that book with so many people over the years as well and it really you know was the catalyst for me getting deep into starting to understand how our mind works and and the power of it really so it was kind of through those channels that I started to, you know, reignite this desire to dream, you know, and that my life didn't have to be horrible. And because I can I tell you, it really was. I mean, I felt like it was horrible. On paper, you know, maybe it wasn't. You know, if you're looking from an outsider in, you might think that, you know, you had everything okay. But there were certainly elements of my life that weren't fantastic. Um, and But it did not feel great. You know, I was not happy. I was often depressed, sometimes medicated for it, in and out of psychologist offices, you know, talking to people just to try and find a way. But um, I think I wanted to share one more story with you today, just specifically in relation to manifestation, because it is my most powerful story around manifesting that I have had so far. And I've manifested a few things in my life, but the one most significant manifestation has by far been my husband 
And I look, I was at the point when I, when, you know, I met my husband that I, I was desperate. I really was. I was chronically lonely. I really, really was. I was so just desperately, painfully lonely. I was living by myself in a dingy granny flat. Um, I would spend my weekends in complete isolation. And there was often weekends where I would finish in my business on a Friday afternoon and I would not speak a word to anyone until the next Monday morning when I would show up for work again. And part of that was a choice because I would get phone calls, mostly from my dad. He would call just to see how I was and I would ignore his calls, but I was just chronically lonely. I was alone and felt it in every sense of the word, but I also chose to isolate myself. And it was during that time when I was really very you know, down and depressed and I was trying to seek love in all the wrong places that I got to the point where I just felt like enough was enough. You know, I could not continue on this path anymore. I really just couldn't. I didn't have it in me. I didn't want to be alone for the rest of my life. And I started to dream. And when I say dream, I really you know, in every sense of the word. I would lie in bed on a Sunday morning, very often for hours by myself, but I would close my eyes and just start to visualize my life with this man. You know, I would visualize where we were living, what I was looking out at through the windows, what he was like, how he would treat me, how I would feel, the children we would have running around our home. And I would so deeply connect with that dream. And I, you know, it was hard at times because I was so lonely in my real life. When I became present again, you know, the pain of not having what I wanted was was there. But I kept connecting to this dream. And it got to the point I had a friend who said to me at one point, Jem, you should write a list of the qualities you want in this person. Fold it up, put it away and just see what happens. And I thought to myself, well, I've got nothing to lose. And so I did. I, I On a scrap bit of paper, I can still picture it, I wrote down the qualities of the partner that I wanted to share my life with. You know, every detail about who he was, what he did with his life, how he spent his time, the relationships he had, you know, all that sort of stuff. I just threw it down in bullet point form onto a piece of paper and I, I folded it up and I put it in the bottom drawer of my bedside table and I kind of forgot about it really. And then, you know, it really feels quite miraculous and very fateful, I have to say, because I had a conversation with my my father. We went out for dinner one night and we got talking about loneliness. And, you know, this was something that he was obviously quite familiar with, even though he had repartnered numerous times and was in relationship you know, as we're having this conversation, he still felt, you know, that sense of loneliness because my mum wasn't here. But he gave me some advice and that was, you know, that there is a difference between feeling lonely and being alone. And he said, you are not alone. You aren't alone. We are around you. You may feel lonely, but you are not alone. And I took that with me along with another piece of advice, which was when I'm feeling lonely, Jem, what I do is I go and do things. I surround myself with people. I get engaged and involved in life. 
And I took that information along with the advice about being lonely and I thought to myself, okay, I need to find myself some hobbies. I need to find something to do. And the two things that popped in my mind were horse riding. I had had a horse when I was a little bit um, younger in my early teens, so I thought I might go horse riding. And tennis. And I don't really even know. I mean, we played a bit of tennis when I was young, but, you know, nothing significant. And I, yeah, it was those two things that came to mind. So I made a booking to go and do a horse riding lesson. And then what I did is I made contact with um, someone that I had known uh, most of my life, you know, at least peripherally. He was friends with my brother and uh, we had dated when I was 18. It didn't go any further, but he had a sister who was a tennis coach. So I reached out to him and I said, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Can you send me your sister's details because I'd like to organize some tennis lessons? And he sent me a message back and he said, no worries, here are her details. And he said, one thing that changed my life and that is we should catch up for dinner sometime. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, sure, why not? So I wrote back and said, yep, that sounds good. And so I went about and I made an appointment Uh, to have a tennis lesson with his sister and meanwhile he made plans for us to go out and catch up for a drink and dinner and we did so and in fact as the story goes on the Saturday I had a um, tennis lesson in the morning with his sister I went and did my horse riding and then we went out for dinner and drinks that night And we had a great night and I came home that night and I cried. And I still don't know why I cried. Actually, I do know why I cried. I cried because something shifted in me. I had this conscious thought of, oh my goodness, I really enjoyed myself with him. And this almost sorrow washed over me because I felt like in that moment that I was going to have to give up my current life. And that sounds strange, but that is exactly what I felt. I felt this grief almost, almost like my soul knew that it was not going to experience this pain anymore, but I was so pathologically comfortable in that pain that the you know the thought of letting it go was really fearful and overwhelming. But you know, inside of me and consciously in my head, I was thinking I really enjoyed myself and I think I like this guy. And so what progressed from there is really, you know, a story that just still blows my mind when I reflect on it. But we had our first date in February. By April, he had asked me to move in with him and his two beautiful children. I want to acknowledge I have two beautiful stepchildren. So he asked me to move in with the three of them. We got engaged in the following March. I fell pregnant with our first child in June. We got married in September, had our first daughter together in February the following year. And then, you know, two years, two months later, we had our twin boys. And now we are literally days away. We're seven days away from celebrating our fifth wedding anniversary. We've been together for six and a half years. And it is. It blows me away. He was right under my nose the whole time. He was there, you know, in the wings the whole time. We went our separate ways. We dated when I was 18. We went our separate ways. But what I want to share with you is 
a couple of things. And that is that I created a dream that was stronger than my pain and my fears and I connected with it. And I connected with it, not all the time, because sometimes I got so lost in my own world, but in the moments I closed my eyes and visualized, I felt and embodied the person that was living the life that I wanted to live. And I can absolutely tell you as well, that the list of qualities I wrote down of the partner I wanted to spend my life with, he ticks every single one of them without a shadow of doubt. He is that person on my list. You know, he is he is the person I dreamt of, you know, down to aspects of how he looked. But even the one thing that stands out for me is that I always saw myself standing in my kitchen looking out over a pool and where I live, we live right now together, I stand in my kitchen and I look out over a pool. You know, the little details that I dreamed of came to fruition. And that is by far the most powerful and successful manifestation um, experience I have ever had. And I am so grateful that without even realizing it, I put into practice a lot of the laws of manifestation at that time because it's brought me the most rewarding outcome the the dream that i had for you know two decades to be loved the way that i am i i live that every single day of my life it's not perfect you know but what it just never is it's perfect for me it's perfect for him it's perfect for us and we are you know soulmates we have been brought together because you know there is such a deep love and respect for each other and we are without a doubt meant to spend the rest of our waking life on earth together building our dream life so that is my story so far okay Um, that is how I've come I guess in some ways to find myself where I am you know, this journey really unlocked itself. You know, this manifesting mum journey unlocked itself only 72 hours ago after I have been doing so much learning around the power of the mind and manifesting and creating your life. This very, um, you know, strange and foreign thought popped into my head and it said, become the manifesting mum and share it on Facebook. And so I I had a split moment of fear and doubt and then I went, I'm going to do this and I did it. And so here I am now recording that first podcast to bring the Manifesting Mum to life and share the journey with so many of you as well. So I'm so thankful that you are here. I'm so thankful you've taken the time to listen to this first podcast and to get to know me a little bit better because that's what this episode really was about. I am so looking forward to sharing more with you. This is really um, a medium for me to share my own experiences in the hope that it will help you to and empower you to go on to start believing in yourself and your ability to create your dream life and to also learn how to co-create that with the universe. So from me to you, I'm so excited we're going to go on this journey together. I cannot wait to share more with you. I have so much inside of me that I have been learning myself that I want to share with you. And so please tune in for the next episode, which is going to be coming really, really shortly. And thank you for being on this journey with me. Have a wonderful day and let's connect soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Manifesting Mum podcast. If you found this episode helpful, I'd love you to subscribe, rate and review over on iTunes. 
see you at the next episode.